Welcome to Inspiring People and Places, where we interview national leaders in the architectural, engineering, construction, and development industry in an effort to educate, innovate, and inspire industry professionals to disrupt the status quo, improve their project teams, and steward public and private investments more effectively. I'm your host, BJ Kramer, President and CEO of MCFA. Allow me to introduce today's guest. Everybody, we are excited to welcome Chris Archer onto the podcast. Chris Archer is the definition of an agency entrepreneur and somebody who uh, truly cares about getting things done and stewardship of the mission that he's been handed and, and brings a unique perspective because he is the deputy base civil engineer at Joint Base McGuire-Dix-Lakers. Um, I'll let him get into the details of what a joint base is, but as we call it in DOD land, he's purple. Uh, even though it's an Air Force run installation, he has to he has to deal with all the crazy tenants uh, from all the services. So uh, lots of stakeholders to to uh, to work with. So, so without further ado, Chris, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's great to have you. And uh, Chris, the way the way we start out all episodes is is everybody getting to know kind of your career path. But before we go back in time to to how you started out, tell everybody a little bit about your role as the ba- deputy base civil engineer and what goes on at Joint Base McGuire Dix Lakehurst under under your operation. Sure. So I've I've been the uh, the deputy base civil engineer here for the last fourteen years. Uh, basically, the way we are set up is, uh, you know, we work for, uh, I work for Colonel Jokinen. He is the CEG commander. Uh, that's the uh, civil engineer group commander. Uh, he works for Colonel Adams, who is the installation uh, wing commander. Uh, so what we do is, you know, we provide installation support for the entire joint base, all 42,000 acres, all uh, 80 uh, plus mission partners. We provide everything from uh, engineering support, construction management, uh, we, we manage energy, we manage housing, uh, fire department, uh, facility maintenance, uh, EOD, that's uh, explosive ordinance, um, emergency management. Uh, so basically kind of soup to nuts, uh, we, we manage the installation, all of its uh, facilities. And uh, again, provide that uh, support uh, for all of our uh, mission partners and all of our tenants. So maybe somebody who's more familiar with a municipality type setup, you are essentially the director of public works. Exactly right. Um, and and 42,000 acres, how many people reside, estimate it, on, uh, on joint base? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, the last uh, numbers I've seen, you know, we support, uh, you know, roughly 40 plus thousand people. And that's, uh, you know, that is everything from active duty to reservists to, uh, to guardsmen to contractors, you know, plus all of the, uh, you know, people in our organization. But it's, uh, it's 40 plus. And, and then when, uh, you know, one of our mission partners, which is, uh, you know, the Army ASA, when they go into full mob demob, those those numbers increase uh, significantly. Okay. Um, all right. So take us back. You said you've been at Joint Base for fourteen years. I I, I want to dig into that in in a little bit. How many different uh, uh, CEG installation commanders you've had, and and um, you know the different types of programs and projects. But how did you end up at Joint Base? Where did it all start? Where did your love of engineering and, and your career path kick off? Yeah, so I'll, uh, I'll, I'll actually take you back to, to 
real quickly to, uh, you know, graduate in high school, you know, kind of seeking a degree. I was uh, originally interested in uh, oceanography, uh, went down to uh, FIT where my brother was, uh, was going for flight. They had oceanography, but they also had ocean engineering. So I talked to, uh, you know, his roommates, one of which was an oceanographer, one was an ocean engineer. The, uh, the ocean engineer kind of swayed me that that was, uh, for me, kind of the better course path. Uh, in ocean engineering, you could go either um, offshore engineering or you could go um, naval architecture. And I ended up kind of going more of the naval architecture route um, after graduating from FIT, uh, secured a job at the Philadelphia Naval Shipyard. So I was a, a naval architect there. Uh, we were working on the um, seven hundred million dollar uh, service life extension program for the uh, for the carriers. Uh, everything from the uh, Constellation to the Kitty Hawk to uh, to the Kennedy. A pretty pretty neat program. Uh, it was a great opportunity there because uh, as, a, as a young engineer, again given plenty of opportunities, uh, but also working with seasoned engineers. So we had. Uh, you know, engineers and technicians who had uh, 40 years, 30 years, 20 years, 10 years. So again, it was just a great, great opportunity to, uh, you know, to work uh, doing uh, design work, doing structural engineering. I was a, uh, uh, the bases uh, ended up being a bases uh, corrosion engineer, uh, work stability, uh, shock analysis, a lot of really, really neat things. And again, great opportunities. And, and what I loved about uh, my, um, about nine years at, at the shipyard was, you know, you would design it and then the uh, the carrier would come in and uh, basically uh, production shops would take your designs and they would work them. And if they had questions, you know, you had to uh, resolve them. So it was a kind of a cradle to grave uh, uh, sort of an opportunity, but boy, you learn so much in doing so. Uh, so again, great opportunity there. Um, I, I, I loved my time there, traveled around a lot uh, and, uh, what what happened was uh, due to BRAC shipyard uh, was was uh, ended up uh, slated for closure. So my last couple of years here, I transitioned to environmental engineering. Uh, that was a, a kind of a growing field uh, back in the um, uh, in, in the nineties. So uh, got two years experience there, working clean air and a couple other programs. Transitioned to uh, McGuire Air Force Base uh, back in. Uh, 95 and uh, started as an environmental engineer, but worked my way back up as, uh, as a design engineer, project engineer, uh, went back to environmental as the environmental chief for uh, about five years, uh, then went to engineering as the engineering chief for about three more years, and again, been 14 years in my current position as the uh, deputy base civil engineer. So, uh, and, yeah. So ninety five, you landed at McGuire. You've been you've been at some form of Joint Base McGuire Dix Lakehurst for almost the last thirty years. That's that is correct. And uh, as, as as you uh, I'm sure recall, you know it was back in October of two thousand nine that we became a Joint Base. You know, so that's where uh, you know we went from uh, McGuire Air Force Base and, and Lakehurst NAES and uh, Fort Dix to the joint base. So, you know, basically merged those three. We merged the staffs. Uh, my civilian workforce grew from, you know, about 230 to uh, about 420. Um, you know, again, uh, you know, very, very kind of large, diverse uh, workforce. But, uh, yeah, we, we then became responsible for providing installation support, in this case, engineering installation support, for the 80 mission partners, you know, across the 42,000 acres, you know, with about 3,000 or so facilities. Across and, the 
That that was a repercussion of BRAC 2005, correct? Exactly right. That's so so the thought or the 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 brainchild behind that is you have three installations that are either co-located or or closely close proximity to each other consolidate kind of those overhead roles of and responsibilities blend them all together and and turn them into one larger organization or one centralized organization. Um, how uh, just curious, how did the Air Force get chosen as the lead there? It's a, it's a great question. And, you know, there was, uh, I believe, about a dozen uh, joint bases. Uh, we were the only tri-service, you know, which actually was Air Force, Army, and, uh, and Navy. We also have you know, Coast Guard and, and, again, Guardsmen, Reservists, and, and this and that. Uh, you know, those decisions were made out in, uh, in, in, in the Pentagon. And, uh, again, I, I don't know if it had to do with, you know, who had the, uh, the more critical missions or uh, – or who, but uh, again, you know, to your point, yep, the Air Force was the lead base here. You know, Navy was lead, and some of the other Army was lead, and, and some of the other, like Lewis McCord, uh, Army was lead uh, over over the Air Force. So, uh, kind of kind of interesting how it all uh, panned out. But um, you know, what we ended up doing, it was it was interesting. Was again, you merged, you know, the three different independent workforces. So whereas I had a counterpart at, at Dix, you know, who was there, uh, you know, DPW. Uh, Lakers had a DPW, uh, a full staff, much as we did. Uh, we merged the three into one and uh, kind of in the process, you know, there were some efficiencies. So uh, some of the vacancies, you know, we ended up uh, losing because, again, it was, you know, the idea was a streamlined process where you optimize uh, support, but also you, know, you reduce kind of redundancy and overhead. So uh, it, it, at the end, it, it, again, I think it made a lot of sense. I think the joint base is, uh, is better for it. But uh, it certainly had some interesting challenges, you know, as we became a joint base, as you can imagine, trying to merge three, uh, three different real property records, you know, three different funding streams, three different personnel systems. Uh, it was uh, it was it was three or four very interesting years as we became. But at the end of the day, I think we were pretty successful because, you know, we incorporated uh, the best that the Army brought, the best that the Navy brought. You know, we had Army uh you know, civilians who were in uh, key leadership roles, as well as Navy, as well as Air Force. You know, we we really had uh, you know some some great people to pick from, and I think that uh, ended up at the end kind of getting us buy-in from uh, from the Army folks and the Navy folks, who again now had all transferred to the Air Force. And and from outside looking in, in all accounts, I understand it's it's been a huge success, um, but not without your problem sets coming there. So you had the change management problem sets. I know that Superstorm Sandy hit in 2012. I think that was 2012 that, you know, JBMDL became the the New Jersey staging area for pretty much anything emergency management related in the state. Um, Talk to us about some of the different events and challenges and and programs that you've had to kind of be nimble to uh, over the years. (laughs) Yeah, the uh, Superstorm Sandy, uh, that, that, that was a huge one, right? So, uh, you know, and, and again, we were well situated to support because, you know, we've got the uh, a fairly uh, robust environmental management flight. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, a large ops flight. Uh, we, you know, we've got the engineers. We're, we're tied to FEMA. We're, we're, again, we've provided DISCA support. That's, uh, you know, support to civilian authorities. Uh, but boy, that, that one really, I tell you, that was... Uh, just everything kind of on, on steroids, right? It was 28 days 
nonstop where we were essentially the, again, the, the hub of recovery for New Jersey, Southern New York, you know, Pennsylvania, basically the entire region. And, and you know, this uh, kind of points out some of the unique attributes of, of the joint base, you know, with our airfields, with our uh, medical centers, you know, with our large laydown areas, you know, with all the facilities, uh, it was uh, it was truly something uh, that, uh, again, just uh, it, it amazed me, you know, being part of, but also just amazed me again to, to watch it unfold is all of these assets were brought to bear to the joint base to, again, to help bring power up to the region, to help uh, provide fuel uh, to those who needed it, uh, to bring uh, water and uh, and food and blankets and uh Again, truly, truly an amazing experience. But it, it, it again, kind of highlights the, uh, you know, what the joint base brings in addition to those, uh, you know, 80 uh, mission sets. You know, everything from, uh, you know, fly-in uh, KC-46s and uh, and C-17s. You know, the whole refueling and mobility mission, the um, research and development that goes on out at uh, Lakehurst. You know, with uh, with Navair and and, and C-5 ISR. Uh, the MOBE, DMOBE that goes on at, uh, at Dix, you know, large mobilizations uh, when needed and then demobilizing, bringing them back through Dix. Uh, just an enormous, uh, again, um, uh, uh, group of capabilities that this joint base has. So that was one huge one. Uh, more recently, um, you know, you, you've probably seen in the news uh, the support that we had for the Afghan repatriation. Uh, again, yep. Uh, really un un unbelievable to see as they rolled in uh, on, on extraordinarily short notice, uh, upwards of about 15,000 of our uh, Afghan allies, right? These were uh, everything from interpreters to, again, others who provided us uh, intelligence support, logistical support, um, is, is part of that, uh, you know, us getting out of Afghanistan and, uh, and, and bringing these folks back. Um, you know, we, we were going back and forth, uh, you know, working with uh, the SECF and the, uh, and the Pentagon folks is to, uh, you know, how much, uh, how much capability we had, how many we could, uh, we could take. And it, it, it went back and forth, you know, three, four weeks of uh, they're coming to they're not coming to they're coming to they're not coming. And then literally, well, I think it was on a uh, Friday, you know, we heard they're coming over the weekend and, uh, and again, this is this is what the base does is 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 extraordinarily quick mobilization uh, and, and, and bringing those in and using the assets we had. And in this case, using some open um, acreage, uh, along with some uh, contract assistance to set up some, uh, you know, tent cities and, uh, you know, setting up, uh, you know, dining uh, capabilities and uh, medical and storage and, and all that literally in we're, we're talking in days it was uh pretty amazing so you know it's what we do uh you know again we've got our day-to-day our, our -day missions and then we've got our, our disca you know support missions uh covid was another real big one you know when covid hit if you remember you know new york city was uh was 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 basically the initial um kind of ground zero and uh, if you remember, you know, is, is the uh, Department of Defense uh, rolled in uh, assets to support that, to set up, uh, you know, support centers and, uh, and uh, you know, to help out uh, New York City. Those all rolled through the, uh, through the joint base. So we you know, brought them in from, from Texas and California and others, again, you know, using the, uh, the assets that we had here on base. Uh, and uh, again, our, our capability to bring in large amounts of logistics, 
you know, is they needed generators and they needed, uh, you know, uh, medical supplies and all that. Again, all flowed in through our, our, our port here on base, uh, you know, stored it, palletized it, uh, transported it along with the personnel. So it's, uh, it, it really just kind of highlights, again, some of the amazing, unique uh, abilities that, uh, that the Joint Base uh, brings. And again, this is, we have, what, what I find kind of amazing is, again, this is, um, you know, just enhanced by the fact that, uh, you know, we are no longer just McGuire Force Base and Fort Dix and, and Lake Crest NAS, but again, being a Joint Base, you know, we utilized um, for Hurricane Sandy, large open areas on Lakehurst. Uh, we used a lot of the administrative capabilities uh, and buildings that uh, that Dix had. We used, uh, you know, the uh, the uh, EM buildings, emergency management uh, facilities that we had on McGuire, um, all brought to bear, right? Mm -hmm. Again, and, and, and utilizing um, the uh, the runways, the um, taxiways, the uh, the laydown areas, the ports. Um, you know, medical facilities, we had storage facilities, again, all brought to bear uh, in an extraordinarily short time to, uh, to support some really, really critical um, uh, civilian sort of missions. Yeah, it's, it's um, amazing how much goes on in the installation. Growing up, my, my dad was in the Air Force. We would go to McGuire every now and then for air shows and or he was flying C-130s. But you, I, I kind of always knew in the military it was a force projection platform, but not until I got involved in, uh, you know, some of the FEMA and DISCA and all of the the value that it provides to the state, and then the number of jobs that it provides to the state as well, uh, right. being situated there. So, uh, you're doing a lot behind the scenes uh, to make sure that the installation, you know, the missions are supported. Uh, but all, all DPWs, all installations are kind of wrestling with uh, a number of macro topics, uh, energy resilience, energy security, installation of the future. Uh, what do those topics mean to you and, and how are they affecting you? Yeah, so I'll, I'll touch on uh, energy resiliency and, and, and assurance. And I, I will say that, uh, you know, um, Superstorm Sandy was kind of a wake up call for us again. You know, we were... Uh, fortunately, um, we, we were hit and we were affected. We had about maybe six, $7 million worth of damage, which uh, sounds significant, but, but you know, a lot of that was you know, maybe damage to some rooftops and, uh, and things like that. Our, our energy system, um, kind of almost to our surprise, because again, we have uh, three independent systems, you know, one at Lakehurst, one at Dix, and uh, one at McGuire. Um, our, our energy system, for the most part, held up. You know, the uh, the Dix side, which uh, is above ground and, uh, and certainly older, um, that that did take some hits. Uh, McGuire system, uh, you know, which we have uh, invested uh, greatly in over the last 20 years underground, you know, that uh, largely survived and was intact, as was Lakehurst's. But uh, it, it was a wake-up call for us that, you know, had that uh, the eye of that uh, hurricane hit maybe about 10, 15 miles south of where it hit, there would have been significantly more damage here. You know, we would have suffered a lot more wind damage, uh, again, you know, the water damage. But so most of the damage, you know, if, if, you, if you look back on that uh, superstorm, uh, was to the north of us. You know, the, the shore towns and uh, clearing up to, uh, to southern New York, New York City, they got hammered. But, you know, the fact that we were able to provide the support we provided was largely due to the fact that we remained, you know, the grid remained up in our area. Um, so that was, it was a wake up call for us uh, that, you know, next time, hey, we might not be so lucky. And, and again, it's, uh, 
again, it, not lost on us. You know, the uh, the grid is is uh, in in our minds extraordinarily vulnerable. It's you know whether it's a, a weather event, whether it's a cyber attack. Uh, you know, it, it is we just saw, and I think it was uh, North Carolina. You know, where, where right. people again can go with uh, ill intent and you know shoot things up. It's happened, uh, you know, time and time again. And uh, again, it's it's a very in our minds vulnerable. It's uh, you know, there's some redundancy to it, but uh, largely it's a it's a pretty vulnerable system. So we had uh, at that point kind of dedicated ourselves towards energy assurance, which is that if the grid were to go down, we could keep all of our critical missions up. So that was, you know, building redundant power, uh, energy storage, uh, a microgrid system so we could steer power where we needed it. Because, you know, what we've seen from these events is you, know, you never know, uh, you know, what what missions are going to be critical to you, uh, you know, tomorrow, next week. And Sandy was a great example that uh, literally a week before, who knew where it was going to go? Who knew what damage it was going to cause? But the fact that we were able to remain largely powered up and uh, and get our power restored quickly, you know, boy, that allowed us to be that hub of recovery, which was was huge. Um, however, again, you know, had we been a little uh, you know less fortunate, boy, it could have wiped power out and it would have taken us you know days and weeks to recover. So that is uh, is our intent uh, is to become more resilient which is to make investments in our uh, our current um, electrical infrastructure, you know, that if it were to take a hit, uh, boy, we could bring it back up quickly, you know, in a matter of days, you know, versus is weeks and months. But the other is the energy assurance, which really is redundant power. Again, right now we are largely um, dependent upon uh, the grid outside the base, but we've uh, taken some major steps in, uh, in completing an energy assurance plan which is our roadmap to how we become basically redundant from an energy perspective. Uh, and, and we started to, uh, to, to uh, execute uh, aspects of that plan. We've got an energy savings performance contract that was recently awarded that brings uh, solar power, large amounts, uh, 17, 18 megawatts of uh, solar power to the base. It does have uh, battery backup, and it also has some spinning generation to the tune of, you know, four megawatts on the wire um, side. And we're going to do, uh, similar on, on the Laker side and eventually over on the Dick side to where, again, if uh, if the grid were to go down, you know, we can click uh, flip a flip a switch and uh, fairly quickly power up some very key assets here on the base. You know, so we have some small generators that can keep buildings up, but this actually will keep larger segments of the base fully operational to include, uh, you know, the aerial port. Uh, a lot of our uh, flight line uh, facilities, other key facilities. So it's a uh, it's a huge step in the right direction. And again, this is uh, for us. This is uh, something we're going to continue to build on. You know, really hoping within the next four or five years to be uh, largely complete on the uh, McGuire and Laker side. And uh, you know, Dix, we still have some work to become more resilient. But again, as soon as we uh, are able to execute that, you know, replace the old electrical infrastructure with new. Yeah, then we're going to start uh, pursuing energy assurance on, on the Dick side. So it's, uh, again, a work in progress, but we have uh, largely led the Air Force in this. You know, we had uh, Ms. Ballantyne, who is the Undersecretary of Defense for Installations and uh, Energy and Environmental. She visited us. She was a, a true champion in energy assurance for the Air Force, uh, visited us actually twice. You know, when she asked her staff, you know, who's uh, who's really kind of pulling out and uh, moving out on this? Uh, you know, we were we were cited as, as one of those uh, 
kind of tip of the spear, leaning forward uh, organization. So she came out here and uh, we quickly found, you know, we were in sync with where the Air Force wanted to go. So since then, you know, we worked uh, really uh, aggressively with the Office of Energy Assurance that the Air Force stood up. And again, really just trying to kind of push the envelope uh, with a, a sense of urgency to, yeah. uh, to bring energy assurance to the joint base. Um, I, I, every time you talk, it's like I get an appreciation for how complex your job is because you're dealing with so many different attributes. You got 42,000 acres, you've got engineering going on, you've got operations, maintenance, you've got um, the missions that you're supporting, you've got residents that you're supporting. So you know, it has to require a certain uh, leadership acumen to deal with the the number of different people, stakeholders or, or, or users, if you will, plus the staff. Uh, so I want to move into some leadership lessons or, or maybe a leadership lesson that has served you well throughout your career. And, you know, as you know, engineers are taught to be engineers. They don't always learn leadership in school, uh, but every organization at the top needs, you know, a chief engineer, or in your case, a deputy, uh, deputy chief civil engineer. So talk to us about a little bit of your leadership lessons learned and, and anything that, that highlights something that served you well in your career. Yeah, it's a, boy, what a, what a great subject. So for, you know, for me, it was, uh, you know, kind of steady progress throughout again, you know, to shipyard given great opportunities. And I, I, I personally always tried to capitalize on, on, on any opportunities I had to, uh, you know, to work uh, challenging projects and, uh, and again, kind of be, uh, you know, mentored and, and work with some uh, senior engineers to, again, just, just learn from them. You know, the first five or six years of my career, uh, again, great opportunities, but worked with some great people who, again, really were uh, just extraordinarily proficient in what they did. And again, you know, what you normally find is, is those people are more, more than happy to, uh, to share with you their experience and, uh, and, and again, you know, their, their successes and, you know, what worked and didn't work. So I, I really was kind of blessed, you know, during those years to again, work with some great people. But uh, I, I think that, you know, the key is, is, you know, uh, is, is again, kind of always aspiring to, uh, you know, to better yourself, learn more, be more proficient. And, uh, you know, then as, uh, as, as your career progresses, you know, you get opportunities. So, you know, the shipyard, I had an opportunity to go from a, a naval architect to a supervisory naval architect, which was, uh, which was pretty neat. That was really kind of my first time, you know, within the government, you know, taking on a supervisory role. Uh, when I came to McGuire, it was, it was very similar. I, I worked in, as I mentioned, in environmental and then engineering, and then became environmental chief, uh, you know, supervising a staff of about 15, pretty diverse staff. And then in engineering, you know, that uh, staff then grew to about 40 or 50, combination of engineers and, uh, and, and technicians. Uh, but you, you, you progressively grow and, you know, you learn from those opportunities. And, um, you know, one, one of the things that I've never really um, feared was, again, is, is taking risk, right? You, you take smart risks, you know, you learn from, uh, from your experiences, but, uh, Boy, you, you have to, again, challenge the status quo. And I'll give you a, for instance, you know, when I was environmental chief, uh, one of the, uh, the programs that we really struggled with at, uh, at McGuire was our environmental restoration program. And it was a program that when I went, uh, when, when I became environmental chief, I knew very, very little about. And I think sometimes that's a good thing. Yeah. Because when, you know, when, when you, you don't know a lot, you know, you're not constrained 
by uh, again by the status quo. You know that we fresh always, eyes, fresh eyes, yeah, fresh eyes, right? And, and you start to question like, boy, why why are we doing it this way? So, you know, one one of the uh, kind of seminal moments uh, around that time was you know we got um, actually put on the uh, the Superfund site. Uh, you know, by by the EPA, which uh, then brought the EPA in as a regulator. Prior to that, we were dealing with the NJDP, you know, just the state. But when you get uh, a couple of your sites uh, determined to be Superfund sites, and that was a couple landfills for us, now all of a sudden you have that whole other layer of, of uh, you know, now the EPA has uh, kind of primacy over your, your cleanup program. And uh, we spent several years, you know, kind of reviewing all the work that we had done as far as remedial investigations, uh, only to find that EPA said, you know, uh, boy, we we are we're going to make you do it all over again. <laughs> so, you know, tens of millions of dollars and uh, boy, years and years and years of uh, working up through the circle of process, only for them. But you know, we we took that as an opportunity. I had one of the members on my staff who was, uh, again, a, a think outside the box sort of a guy. And uh, what, what he kind of brought to me was, uh, you know, some experts in a field called uh, the triad approach. You know, environmental restoration is a very long program when you're analyzing groundwater and, uh, and, and, and contamination, say, around a super uh, or a landfill site or a uh, spill site or, a, you know, a, a contamination site. Boy, it, it, it was a very slow process, right? You know, you typically develop a plan. You put in uh, wells. You might do some sampling. But then you, you you take all that information back, and what it always ends up being is is boy you have to study it some more, right? You know you right. have to put more landfills in, you get more uh, more monitors in, and you have to do more and and you keep searching, you that, keep searching. Right, it's it's uh, boy it's the annuity approach of, and it takes years and years. And so what the Air Force found was you know for the Air Force wide restoration was a six billion dollar program, and it was taken forever right to do remedial investigations. So. Yeah, we had an opportunity uh, again with 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 some in innovation to uh, to work with uh, with the EPA and in the state and some technical agencies on a better way of doing it, which was called a triad approach. It was dynamic, so you would go out there, you would uh, bring uh, you know corporate spectrometers and and you know, membrane in interface probes, and uh, you would set up labs on site, and you would actually collect data and uh, make decisions based on that data. From day to day, as opposed to a, a static approach, and uh, you know, it, it worked out uh, extraordinarily well because we had a great team, you know, a great group of uh, contractors we're working with, and uh, you know, working with the EPA and, and the state, you know, to allow the allow us to again kind of try a whole different way of, of doing things. And uh, you know, what we found was, you know, we did in six weeks uh, over a critical. Uh, C-17 uh, hangar construction site, we did in six weeks what was taking others literally years and years and years to do. Um, you know, again, just by uh, allowing that contractor kind of free reign. Uh, and, and again, he did it with, uh, you know, in a very professional manner. You know, your your tests were all validated. Uh, again, you know, the EPA was 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 working with us to make sure quality assurance was there. So we, we didn't lose any uh, quality but what we gained was flexibility. And, uh, and again, by doing in six weeks, what would normally take years, obviously there's, you know, tremendous cost savings and that allowed us, and it was pretty interesting, was, you know, $27 million C-17 hangar actually allowed us to build a case for natural attenuation in which we built monitors into the new flooring of the C-17 hangar 
to monitor natural attenuation. So it was uh, it was really neat to be part of. But again, it, it's uh, it, it it was a risk, right? I mean, you know, we we were trying something that uh, really had not been tried. You know, it was kind of new to our regulators. It was new to us. We had some contractors who uh, you know were very kind of proficient with these skills, but we literally kind of changed the way that the Air Force and DOD attacked remedial investigations, I think, in a very positive way. And it was out of, again, it was kind of out of need. You know, when EPA said, uh, boy, you know, you're going to have to redo that work, we said, well, we'll redo it, but we'd like to do it in a, a, a much more innovative uh, uh, sort of a way where we can kind of speed these up, you know, still get great results and make great decisions out of it but uh, in, in a much more effective way. And uh, so again, that was uh, something I was kind of proud to be part of. Uh, awesome. pretty neat. Yeah, it's, uh, and again, those opportunities present themselves, but that's you know, kind of what we, we tell our, our young engineers is again, you know, question the status quo. You know, again, just because we've done it that way before, doesn't mean that we have to do that uh, you know, going forward. And I tell you, we, we met a lot of resistance, uh, you know, kind of from, from a, a community of, of folks in EPA and even within the Air Force, again, people who are very accustomed to, you know, you have to do it this way. Yeah. And why? Boy, why, why, why do we have to do it that way, especially if it's not working so great? So uh, at the end, you know, we kind of proved them wrong. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of uh, great lessons. We had Miss Coates, who was, uh, you know, Staff IE. She flew out here because, again, this was something she was very keen on. And to see the excitement on her face, you know, as we were kind of briefing her, uh, the results of this was, you know, she, she was, you know, at the edge of her seat saying, you know, you, you guys really kind of cracked the code on, on how we should be doing this versus how we are doing this. So, you know, they, they went on to, again, Air Force wide to uh, implement this and then, you know, DOD followed. So pretty, pretty cool stuff. That's, that's awesome. Um, and I just want to put a exclamation point on the, on the two lessons I'm taking from that is one is fresh perspective. You know, I don't care who you are in the organization. If if you're if you're looking at something and say hey, I think there might be a smarter way to do it, say something. And then number two, that Chris kind of lowlighted. I mean, you, you mentioned it, but it's it's the championing it through the next level of the organization because it's not just inside the organization, but it's then getting buy-in and, and really sponsoring the good idea or the outside of the box thinking to say, hey, can we try this? Can we take the risk? And and being able to to meet the bureaucracy with some, with some energy and some answers to, uh, to stay the course. Yeah, no, exactly right. And, and, and what it was, you know, one of the things I found uh, back in the time, a little bit comical was uh, it was only a small group within the EPA who was uh, kind of knowledgeable of this. And, and again, you know, they called it EPA tried approach, but, you know, for us to sell it to the regulators we were dealing with, you know, we, we had to enlist again, you know, this, this small community of, uh, folks who were involved in uh, kind of innovation, you know, within the, uh, within the EPA to, uh, again, convince them that, you know, what we were proposing, uh, you know, was not, uh, again, outside the norm. It wouldn't produce, uh, you know, less uh, quality uh, type results, but rather it was, it was just, you know, something that, hey, what, what have we got to lose? Because again, the, uh, you know, the current way of doing it is years and years and years and millions and millions and millions of dollars. And, uh, Again, so it was uh, it was really kind of neat to be part of. We had just a tremendous contractor again who was able to mobilize quickly and bring uh, some really neat tools to bear. Again, on-site labs, just a, a whole different way. And, and and it's it's funny in retrospect, you think like why 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 did they not do this? 
you know, 20 years before we did it, because again, it made so much sense. And when you saw it unfold and, and it was uh, to see, you know, the EPA folks and, and DEP folks that we were working with, the excitement that they had, because again, you know, they were, they were used to, again, the old static approach. So it, it really kind of energized and excited them. And they brought that back. And again, it energized, uh, you know, their, their community. So pretty, pretty and, cool. And, and probably the, the savings, you know, on your program alone, but then the reverberation of getting some momentum to that, to that approach uh, and the savings to, to our taxpayers, um, probably pretty, probably pretty unbelievable. Unbelievable. Absolutely. But it was, yeah, just again, just kind of need to be part of, but it's, yeah, I I think part of, you know, when when you get into those, uh, those roles of, again, you know, leadership and management is again, to find elements within your organization. You know, we had, we had some people who, again, were just very accustomed to the old way, other ones were think outside the box, and again to kind of engage with them, right? You know, let them yeah. let them have their their opportunity to uh, to try to sell you. And uh, boy, we had uh, you know meeting after meeting. So when this opportunity presented us, uh, itself with the uh, C seventeen hangar, where we you know did some uh, you know just some samples in some sites where we were going to put the uh, the footers for that, and we found large amounts of uh, TCE and solvents. I mean, that boy, originally boy, it scared the heck out of a lot of people. They're thinking, oh, we're going to have to pick a different site. And, uh, you know, fortunately, we had, uh, you know, spent about a year or two kind of just preparing for that opportunity. So when it hit, you know, we said, uh, hey, we've got a challenge here, but we think we have a solution and, uh, you know, able to get support, you know, clearing up to the uh, to the GO level, you know, to the general level to uh, to move out on it and, and get, uh, you know, get the A team. And in, in our case, from AFCAC, you know, some some folks who, who moved out uh, from a contracting perspective, uh, again, creatively, uh, you know, to help us set this all up. It, re- it really was kind of neat to be part of. Yeah. I love, I love a good government win, win, win story. <laughs> yeah. And that it was. So yeah, again, just, uh, yeah. You, you, and, and that's kind of the neat thing again about being at, at, at a place like this is again, just a unique opportunity. So, you know, I'll, I'll just really briefly, you know, we, we talked about energy, and an energy assurance, but again, kind of what we're we're floating here is again, it's 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 unique to the Air Force to to have to be thinking about redundant energy. Um, again, you know, the mindset has always been is that uh, boy, we we operate off the grid, and you know, really, again, if if you want to uh, aspire to true energy assurance, you have to think differently, right? You know, you really need to think. Um, how do you get uh, redundant power? And again, how do you get that that power to where you need it? And and, and just know this that, you know, one day depending if we're you know, supporting a, a spin up for Hurricane Sandy, boy, we we may need uh, areas out of Lakehurst and uh, and Dix. Um, you know, if we're supporting uh, COVID operations, you know, bringing rolling through again, it's that's a different part of the base. Uh, if we are, uh, you know, again, you never know what your mission is going to be. So to have that flexibility to not only have redundant power, but be able to steer it through a microgrid to where we need it uh, is, is really is, is key. So we are, again, you know, moving out on that. Uh, it's, it's, again, pretty neat to see. We got some, some great folks on our staff who are really, really excited uh, to be part of this. And, and, and they're the ones who are making all this happen. You know, they're, yeah. they are just the you know, working uh, again, it's, you know, you provide, provide them a little bit of direction. You know, you sit down, you talk to them and you just let them do their thing. And it's, uh, it's amazing, you know, kind of when you take the, uh, you know, constraints out of the equation of, uh, of, you know, why, why can't we do this? Well, that's, that's a great question. Why, why can't I, I, I think we actually, we, we, we can, you know, and so we, we've done it again, uh, 
all in all, it's worked out uh, well. You know, we, we've had, uh, you know, setbacks on occasion, but yeah, that's, that's what you learn from, right? You know, if, if you never are trying something new, um, boy, you're, you're, you know, you're never failing, but we, uh, you know, we've, uh, we've had again, some just really, really smart people, some, uh, you know, go-getters and it's, uh, it's fun to watch them to, to work in a kind of a, a uh, unconstrained environment and just, uh, have fun, you know, again, yeah. kind of, you know, doing, doing new stuff. Well, we, we've appreciated working with you and, and I, I think that the joint base is lucky to have you at the helm, uh, hopefully to see all of this to completion. Inspiring People in Places is brought to you by MCFA. MCFA is a CVE-verified, service-disabled, veteran-owned small business. At MCFA, our why is to inspire people in places through project leadership. We provide planning, strategy, program management, and construction management support services to a wide variety of public and private sector clients. Switching some gears here to a bit of a a rapid-fire Q&A, I know that you love the Chicago bears and maybe all Chicago sports teams. <laughs> yeah, I, I was, yeah, I was born out there. And again, it, it sticks with me. I, I, I was, uh, was there until I was seven, you know, I've lived out here for a little over 50 years. So again, boy, uh, Eagles and uh, Phillies and uh, there I, I support them, but when they're playing the bears or the Cubs, I'm a diehard uh, Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> You're a hell of a golfer. Yeah, now don't golf as much as I used to, but I, I enjoy it, especially with the right people. What else keeps you busy outside of the office? Yeah, so we, uh, I, I tell you, blessed within the last, uh, you know, year and a half uh, with, uh, with, with some grandchildren, right? So my, uh, my oldest daughter had, uh, had twins, a uh, boy and a girl. Uh, you know, my, my wife is, uh, you know, she uh, stays home and she watches them while my daughter uh, teaches. Uh, an absolute blessing, right? You know, as, as you start to get to that uh, that point of your career, you know, where again, you know, your priorities are a little different. You know, our kids now are, are largely out of the house. You know, my youngest son, uh, he's a he's a freshman out of Purdue. Uh, you know, my other son's in, has been in the Navy now seven eight years. Uh, you know, my other daughter just got married. She's out in Scottsdale. She's uh, expecting a, a baby now in February, and my oldest with the twins, she's expecting uh, two months after that. So that is, uh, boy, what a that's awesome. What a we're absolutely loving every opportunity we have. You know, we just uh, spent some time with them. We took them on Sunday. We went out to Sesame Place. You know, we've taken them to, uh, you know, meet Santa, you know, with the Christmas lights. And again, what a, I, I've heard so many people talk and, uh, and brag on the grandchildren and, and how great. And now I'm getting to experience it. So that is, uh, that is right now is uh, what we are just, again, just totally, totally enjoying. And, and, and the other thing, you know, with my son at Purdue is, you know, I, I've, I've got a new appreciation for, uh, for college sports, right? Uh, football team and now their basketball team is number one in the nation. They are so much fun to watch and right. Big 10. I, I, again, I went to a small school, FIT, didn't have big sports programs and we had a crew team. That was about it. But, uh, to watch and, and I'm so excited. Uh, I'm excited for my son to be able to, you know, go to the games and, and, and watch them and be part of that. But, uh, I now see what, uh, again, you know, yourself being, you know, West Point, I see, you know, Army Navy game, you know, the importance uh, and the excitement that yeah. that brings. I really got it before, but boy, I get it now. And it's uh, it's a different energy. It is so cool. And, and, and again, congratulations on that win. That was what it, it was. It was a game. Um, <laughs> I, I haven't seen an ending like that. Feel feel terrible for Navy's coach who just got, got uh, fired in the locker room, but... Um, but it was, I was happy to see army come out on top. 
I uh, bet you were. And, 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 and they broke a 16 year streak of, uh, of, of hitting the over. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what, a, was what, a, what a great game. Great it's, overtime. It's so exciting for me, just to, if nothing else, just to watch the passion that yeah. the, the Army and the Navy have for that game. Again, it was, boy, I tell you, these guys are living and dying with them. And, uh, by you know the pressure for that kicker right when when <laughs> you, boy when when you, you so many people are are watching that and boy if you uh, if you double doink it like my my bear <laughs> did a couple of years ago <laughs> that that lives you forever but again uh, he, he to become a hero and uh, and a hero he became right he's he's gonna it, that's uh it's just, just just amazing and again yeah he had his opportunity to shine and man he nailed it right it's the beauty of sport yeah. It is. So, uh, yeah, so that is, again, you know, golfing a little bit less, doing a little less other things, but, uh, boy, the grandkids and, uh, you know, new appreciation for college sports and, uh, you know, just to spend a little more time, you know, with my wife and, you know, doing things around the house and all that. And, uh, you know, hope to be uh, traveling more. You know, we're going to, you know, fly out to Arizona, see my daughter, you know, when uh, when our, our, our grandson is is born. Uh, getting out and traveling a little bit is is what I hope to do here down the road a little more. That's great. Uh, must read books. Any yeah. must read book. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I never read a lot until I did uh, air war college and, uh, that kind of forced, you know, you, 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 I don't know the army version of that, yeah. but uh, really kind of forcing a lot of books on, uh, on leadership. Right. So, you know, Patton on leadership and, uh, Robert E. Lee on leadership and Lincoln. And those, those are, I tell you, that's, I, I really kind of enjoy because again, you know, you, you just see, you know, leaders in critical times challenge, you know, with the, the biggest challenges, you know, uh, you know, George Patton, you know, what a, what a phenomenal leader. Again, a guy who was uh, given just, you know, huge challenges and boy, just, just rambling. It was, it was his, his whole life prepared him, right, for, uh, for World War II and, uh, and, and those battles out there, Bastogne and, you know, Bulge. It just, boy, just, so that I do a lot of reading on that. Uh, but again, one, you know, back to energy. Uh, one of the books that really got me excited, it was, uh, there was a, a book called One Second After uh, by William Fortune. And uh, I, I was given to given it by uh, by a friend of mine and he said, you know, you, you got to read this book. And it was, um, it, it was uh, fictional, but I tell you, extraordinarily well written. Yeah, almost like, um, you know, some of the, the uh, you know, the, the, the Clancy books, right? Yeah. Uh, and he, he did so much research. He was so knowledgeable that, you know, he just brought it to life. And, uh, you know, the, the one second after what uh, what resonated with me was, you know, the premise was was that there was a, uh, a couple EMPs, uh, you know, basically nuclear you know, blast that went off over uh, the northeast coast and literally, you know, it, it, you know basically caused uh, huge damage to the uh, electrical grid and, and computer chips all over. Right. So, you know, planes were flying or were, were dropping out of the sky. Uh, vehicles uh, again, you know, stopping, you know, stopping on the turnpike, you know, because their computer chips weren't working, um, electrical grids that were down. But what it, it did was it took you from, uh, you know, from right when it happened to, you know, what happens, uh, you know, a couple hours after, and yeah. what happened a couple days after, and what, and and I go back to 9/11, right, which was, uh, you know. And, and, and from my perspective was, again, you know, not, not just the fact maybe that we weren't fully prepared, but it's that failure to imagine, right? Mm. You know, you know, who, who imagined that, uh, that a handful of, uh, you know, uh, uh, terrorists 
could uh, could get on a plane and use those planes as weapons to take down a World Trade Center and to, to you know to to uh, hit the Pentagon and uh, and things like that. Again, who who imagined that? But that's that's what I love about this book is it, it takes it through that uh, what if process, right? Yeah, it goes back to energy resiliency and energy assurance. It's an area that again I don't think we as uh, we as a nation are uh, spending enough time, again, playing at what if, you know, what, what if uh, our grid was attacked, uh, again, not just one attack, attack down in North Carolina, but what if there was a coordinated attack, right, on, on, on power stations all across the place? What if, uh, again, we got hit by a huge storm? What if, uh, you know, there, there's so many, you know, cyber attacks, right? Uh, you know, the capabilities, you know, that we have to take down uh, adversaries' uh, systems and, and they have to take down ours. This book really, again, it stretches your imagination in a, I think, a very kind of realistic manner of, again, what 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 can happen? You know, what what happens with uh, pharmaceuticals, right? That that require refrigeration. That again, you know, you don't have it now. Uh, right. You know, right. Food goes to waste. You know, hospitals again. You know, they're operating minimally off generators. I mean, we we saw again. Uh, you know you know, what, what, what could have happened to our, our base had uh, Sandy hit a little bit south, you know, other bases, you know, like Tyndall, again, that were, were hit, uh, you know, by uh, hurricanes. Um, and, and it, you know, for DOD, it's, you know, again, kind of tied to climate change and all that. It's, it's a real thing, right? It, it's something we got to deal with. But so you have to be able to think about, uh, about the real, real life impacts, right? To yeah. uh, and, and, and defense and, uh, so that is, again, that's at the book where, again, I read it, I've, I passed it on to others. And, uh, and again, I, everybody who's read it, you know, it's a kind of a new appreciation for, again, the importance of, of kind of what we're doing, you know, with energy resiliency and, and energy assurance. And again, I know a lot of things are being done we're not hearing about, but again, I still think it's a big vulnerability that we need to, as a nation, spend spend more time on. Health, healthy dose of fear goes a long way to, to create some urgency and, and support Around, I mean, it's it's just stuff that we take for granted, and unless unless you've felt the pain of not having it, right? We we go home, we turn the lights on, we got the hot water. It's it's all there until you don't have it, and then the the other problem is, you know, after right after Superstorm Sandy, I know locally the the energy and urgency was high, but you know, quickly fades off when we get back to comfort, and it's uh, so I appreciate how much you are carrying that flag here locally at, at the joint base, but, you know, pushing that envelope uh, across the air force. Uh, favorite quote. Oh boy. Oh boy. There's, 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 there's so many of them. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to have to get back to you with that. But again, right, we'll give you a pass on that one. There's, 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 there's so many great ones out there, but uh, again, yeah. Hey, just do it. Right. There you um, go. I think that's that's a great one. Again, you know, maybe more of a slogan than a quote, but again, it's a, it's kind of a mentality. And I, 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 okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give you another. Again, and it's almost kind of a slogan: is uh, is can do right. That is, uh, you know, back before we were joint base, we were part of the 305th. So you know, McGuire, you know, a single wing commander, and the uh, the motto of the 305th was was can do, and that's it's a spirit. And and again, I, I came to work uh, again. You know, you would you would hear it from wing commander after wing commander. And it's uh, again, it's it's a you know, hey, we we'll, we'll overcome, right? You know, you know, will we you know remain flexible, uh, work together? You know, one team, one theme. 
but uh, but can do again it's it's a spirit and again i i know i've got an awful lot of can do uh engineers and uh, and technicians on our staff i i, I love working with can do people it's a uh, really i think it's almost kind of an attitude yeah and and there is an energy to a team when people are just trying to figure you're not trying to blame people you're not trying to figure out what went wrong just trying to figure out how to fix it how to keep things moving and and keep that positive energy yeah all right dead or alive if you could hang out with three people for a day who would they be well boy so i've already uh already hung out with a couple of now you're okay dead or alive so that opens it up uh you know one of the ones again yeah you mentioned the fact i'm a i'm a bear fan so i, I did hang out with uh you know for at least a couple hours uh, mike ditka nice. um, mcmahon and buddy ryan and uh, three unique uh, personalities, and uh, and Beyonce of the three, uh, Buddy Ryan was was the most uh, engaging, rewarding, uh, just a, what a cool guy. Huh. So glad to, you know the fact that I was able to uh, to meet with him uh, again, you know, before he passed. But uh, yeah, that that was huge. Um, yeah, I, I, again, boy, so many again, other 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 people dead. Uh, yeah, George Patton, right? I, again, just a, just a hero. Again, I just loved his uh, his confidence, uh, his his tenacity, and and again, you know, what 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 a lot of people I think didn't realize about George Patton, and yeah, I'm sure you did, was uh, nuts and bolts, right? No, nobody knew a tank better yeah. than George Patton. Nobody knew that the you know, the the inner outs, you know, his craft. And, well, it's his craft, right? He was, again, just extraordinarily, you know, he, he not only was a, a tremendous uh, a general, but again, you know, he, he knew that tank, he knew the Germans tanks, he knew, uh, again, you know, his, his, you know, famous quote, right? I read your book. You know, what a, what a, <laughs> when, he, when he's going against Rommel, what a great quote. Uh, but it, but it, it went to, again, his, uh, that, that was him, right? He, uh, he, he was just extraordinarily knowledgeable in, uh, in, in, so again, I, I love that. And uh, one, one of the other guys, again, that uh, I, I, I always had a great appreciation for. And again, you, you see kind of a sports theme, right? Either military or, or sports. Uh, Dick Vermeil, what a, what a, what a neat guy. Uh, and he, you know, the, the, the story with Vince Papali. Um, you know, what, what a great story. But I, I've met, I had, a, had a chance to meet uh, Dick Vermeil, Coach Vermeil, uh, uh, several times. And uh, again, what an inspiring leader. And again, it's, uh, you know, football, uh, again, the, the opportunities that uh, head football coaches have to, uh, to make a break and, and to lead and inspire. Um, and, and boy, again, that guy, what a great leader, you know, dedicated, you know, the team uh, absolutely loved him. He, he built a great team and uh, yeah, what a, what a, what a neat guy. So yeah, I, I would say, you know, again, along those lines, you know, for three people, you know, that, that would be it. I like the sports and military personalities. It's good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good, uh, good stuff. And again, just great Americans, great leaders, you know, dedicated and just, boy, just so, so skilled. But uh, yeah, you know, sports is, is uh, again, boy, it's, uh, it's just, just the more I read about it, the more I love, uh, again, to, to see uh, whether it's a great uh, basketball team or a great football team that did teamwork, right? You know, so again, to see, uh, see it operating on, on all eight cylinders and uh, again, from the coaches to the trainers to the, you know, to the players to you know that that entire team, right? I mean, you know, that's one thing I love about engineering. Engineering is a team sport, and uh, again, the same sort of thing, right? To 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 take all those pieces and to get them harmonized and uh, and and all going in the same direction. It's uh, it, it's really it's it's fun to watch. It's fun to be a part of. And again, that's 
that's who really inspires me is, is guys, guys like those who just, boy, just, uh, you know, tops of their fields and inspire others. And, uh, and, and at the end of the day, just, uh, you know, make, make the most of what they got. It's. Yeah. Cool. I love that. Uh, legacy. What do you want your legacy to be? You've been at joint base since 1995 in some version. Yeah. Uh, what would you like your legacy to be? Well, you know, again, it's always, uh, always gearing, uh, you know, you're, you know, cause again, I, I probably have two years, you know, two and a half years to go before I retire. So again, it's, it's building future leaders. Right. And, uh, you know, again, we're, we're so fortunate to have some really, really great leaders within our organization. So it's, uh, it's work with them. And again, you, know, you try to lead by example and, and you, and you learn from them. It's, uh, I have learned so much. Uh, from again, you know, the leaders within our organization, you know, the, the those who uh, who uh, work for me, who work with me, those who I work for, you know, some of these wing commanders are, are just phenomenal leaders. You know, we've had the uh, uh, good fortune again of uh, of entertaining you know four star generals as they come through. What a what a neat group. You know, I, I was able to uh, brief the uh, Air Force Secretary. Um, on, on what we're doing energy wise, what a, what a neat guy, right? It's just, uh, again, those sorts, but yeah, so my legacy again, it's, it's to, you know, again, boy, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to move on and I, I feel perfectly, uh, comfortable that this base is going to do, you know, that, that the folks who replace me are going to do great things because, you know, we work so closely with them, you know, it's, uh, it's working, working through challenges and problems and, uh, you know, personnel and technical and, and this and that. But again, I, I feel, Really good to, to the fact that boy, we've got. Uh, when I move on, we we've got great people to fill my shoes, and then we we you know we've got the younger generation of folks who they are grooming to fill their shoes. So again, boy, life goes on, right? And it's yeah. new eyes, new perspective, and again, this uh, this this base will do just uh, engineering will do just great after I move on. Awesome. And then to close us out, any any closing inspiration or challenge to our listeners or or uh, our young maybe our young audience getting into the engineering field. Yeah, is again, boy, what a what a great time to be a, an engineer, what a great time to be a young engineer. Uh, again, you know, they I, I think right now is boy, you know, the nation needs uh, the, these young folks to uh, to step up. You know, you look at the infrastructure challenges that we're having, you know, just across our nation, you know, uh, the uh, the roads, the bridges, the electrical um, you know, boy, huge, huge challenges, which uh, equates to huge opportunities. So boy, grab, uh, grab that opportunity, run with it. Um, again, just, just every opportunity that's out there. You know, my, my, my son, who's a Purdue, he's, uh, he's pursuing a degree in cybersecurity. And, uh, again, that's, that's what I told him. You, you are going to have such great opportunities, you know, when you get out. So, you know, grab some internships while you can to, again, to learn, you know, it, it's going to be five or six years of, of, you know, you're going to be able to do some great things, but you're also going to be able to learn a lot, you know, diversify yourself, you know, don't get pigeonholed, you know, just uh, doing one thing. And every time an opportunity presents itself, boy, raise your hand and, and, and jump at it. And, and again, nail it because again, it's uh, op opportunities and successes lead to more opportunities and more successes. And, uh, Again, but I just I've been blessed. Yeah, you know, I, I sometimes think of myself almost like Forrest Gump, you know, Forrest Gump, uh, you know, I just mm -hmm. sometimes just found himself in unique situations and uh, he kind of ran with them. And that was that was me again, finding some really unique opportunities at the shipyard and then coming here at uh, in McGuire and then as a joint base, some just tremendous opportunities just to uh, again to kind of build on, you know, you, you, you build on your experiences 
and then you you know get into that kind of leadership role and and now you're you're part of again you know leading others and again just a, a really it, it's been you know 36 years I, I've I've not worked for the government one great opportunity after the other and again seize those opportunities so yeah if you're a young engineer seize every opportunity you've got and uh, you know it make make sure you know you continue to uh, you know stay proficient you know read you know go to classes you know hone your skills. Um, again, great, uh, great opportunities will present themselves to you. So, uh, yeah, just, just make the most of it and, uh, and, and enjoy it again. I've, I've never had a day where, uh, where I didn't want to come into work and just, uh, again, just, just, you know, grab, grab those opportunities and, and run with them. Well, Chris, thank you so much for your time sharing with the, uh, with the podcast. Uh, I started this by, by highlighting that you are one of those public servants that uh, are, are complete stewards of the mission that, that you've been handed. Uh, so you inspire us, you inspire me and, uh, and JBMDL, you know, what an inspiring place you get to work. So thanks for everything you do to lead there. And thanks for taking the time to be with us today. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me again. Thanks for, for doing what you guys do. You know, you, uh, again, great partner with us and that's, uh, you know, our successes again are, are are based on our partnerships, and again, you know, you you guys have been tremendous partners with us for uh, for ten plus years now. So appreciate all that you guys do. Awesome, thanks, Chris, and uh, go birds. Good luck to your bears this weekend. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll, I think I'm going to be quietly rooting for the birds uh, this weekend. Again, it's <laughs> this is their year, and uh, bears are going to be rebuilding, so uh, it's going to be fun. We're going to have a blast. Awesome. Hey, everybody. If you're enjoying this show, do us a favor and subscribe to Inspiring People and Places on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast hosting platform. We'd also greatly appreciate if you left us a review and shared this with other entrepreneurial public servants and all your friends and family in the AEC space. Be sure to visit our website, www.mcfaglobal.com. Sign up for our newsletter to stay in touch with us and learn about all of the projects and clients we're helping. Last but not least, we are hiring. We are always hiring. Do us a favor. Take a look at what jobs we have open. Contact us through our website or connect with me on LinkedIn. Until next time, have a great rest of your week and a great weekend.